started a new series, Listen, Love, and Lead. And we are focusing on what makes a resilient disciple. And last Sunday, we spoke about our love for Jesus, how before love becomes a direction, it first is an invitation. We truly need a deep revelation of the love of God, of how much he loves us, specifically loves each and every one of us and wants to partner with us and use us. And together we've also launched a page on our website, our Life Center website, for you to discover your spiritual gifts and help discern what God is saying in this season. For we as Life Center are also together discerning what God is doing and how he is at work in this city as we pause and listen and follow his lead. Now, as we continue from last week, we're going to continue to get real and are looking at some really hard truths. But I want you to put a pin in it. Say, put a pin in it. Put a pin in it. I want you to put a pin of hope right here in it. Because as we walk through this message, we are going to get to a message of hope. So stay with me. Now let's further dive into what makes some followers of Jesus more resilient than others. Some have asked, how are we defining resiliency? And this is a great question. Here's a definition. A resilient follower of Jesus attends and engages with their church through service. They trust firmly in the authority of the Bible. They are committed to Jesus personally, affirming he was crucified, raised from the dead to conquer sin and death. And they express a desire to see a transformation in a Jesus-sized move of the Holy Spirit in society. Amen to that. If we were to pull five elements from this statement to define what a resilient disciple of Jesus would look like and be, it would be the following. Firstly, to love Jesus. Secondly, to trust Scripture. Thirdly, to build meaningful relationships. Fourth, to engage in purpose. And fifth, to be on a countercultural mission. Now today, we're going to be discussing the second, trusting scripture. Now we live in a time when there is so much distracting and vying for our attention. Screens disciple us. Others influence us. Events impact us. Circumstances change us. Compassion moves us. And conviction holds us. Now, I want to settle on this thought of conviction just for a moment. When it comes to conviction, the question is, where do our convictions hold us? God has, is, and will always use people, events, and circumstances to shape our lives, shape our trust, and to shape our following, and to shape ultimately our resiliency. However, also, the enemy has, is, and will always use people, events, and circumstances to shape our lives, to shape our trust, to shape our following, and to ultimately turn and erode our resiliency. Two kingdoms at work, one with life and one with death. 
Now, specifically speaking, the enemy seeks to erode resiliency by weakening our trust in God's word. Let me say that again. The enemy will seek to erode your resiliency by weakening your trust in God's word. Now God leads and invites us to continually choose and move towards him and his word for trust is directional. His word is absolute truth and is the ultimate authority that sets our course. It is a firm foundation, the solid rock. It is where we build our house. Now this chair here, for an example, when I sit in this chair, I am trusting this chair to hold my weight. I've actually fallen out of a chair that broke before, but anyway. I am trusting this chair to hold my weight. It, I am not holding myself up in the chair. I am trusting the chair to hold the weight. The word of God holds the weight. The word of God trumps all. As we remember what God has done, we can be assured that we can trust him for what is happening now and what will happen. And I love that it says this over and over in the Bible. Remember, 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 remember. Give thanks, give thanks, give thanks. And why? It is because we are remembering the faithfulness and the goodness of God. If he has been faithful and good in the past, he will be faithful now and he'll be faithful in the future because he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen. Woo. And I believe this is a word for someone here today. Specifically, as I was preparing this message, I felt this word. That someone here today is completely overcome and overwhelmed by a situation that is happening in your life. And your loving father wants to come and with compassion is reminding you to remember. Remember how faithful he has been. Remember that he is faithful and that he will be faithful. Start to focus and remember and recount his goodness. Ask God to show you how and where he is working right now. It's an intentional decision to trust. Remember the goodness of God. God is strengthening your resiliency through your circumstance if you choose to trust him. He is at work. Now hear me today. God invites us into formation through trust. And so does the enemy. The enemy not only desires to erode our resiliency by weakening our trust in the word of God. It also, he also desires to direct our trust elsewhere. Genesis 3 is where we can see the erosion of trust begin in the garden with Eve. The devil says to her, did God really say? The devil says, did God really say? And we can also see this temptation in Matthew 4 when Satan tempts Jesus in the wilderness. The enemy presents Jesus with three alternatives, all of which removed the suffering of the cross. 
where Eve had fallen short and gave in to temptation, Jesus remained steadfastly resilient. It says, we will see this statement repeated in verses 4, 7, and 10 in chapter 4 of Matthew. In verse 4, Jesus says, but Jesus answered, it is written. Say this, it is written. In verse 7, Jesus said to him, again, it is written. Say that again, it is is written. And in verse 10, then Jesus said to him, be gone Satan, for it is written. Jesus shows us here and elsewhere in scripture that there is a direct agreement between the word of God and God's son. However, I want you also to see how complicated it can get in trusting the word of God. Let's continue in Matthew 4 verses 5 to 6. Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on a pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written. He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. Now this statement is profound. The devil knows the scripture. The devil quotes the scripture, but the devil will always, always use the scripture in the Bible to bring deception. There is a single defining difference between knowing, quoting, and using the Bible. Resilient followers of Jesus don't only know, quote, or use the Bible. They are part of a robust local church community, which is under the authority of the Bible in order to wisely navigate a complex culture. Now, no one does this perfectly, and not one church can do this flawlessly. Yet, the church is God's plan. Think about that all that is happening in culture and in the world today, and be inspired by this. God saw fit and chose you to be born, to be living right now, Destiny is running under your feet. You are in your present destined time. God doesn't make mistakes. The church isn't about me, nor is it about you, but it takes you and it takes me partnering together with the Holy Spirit as a community as we follow the way of Jesus. We need one another because we can be deceived. We were not meant to do life alone. We were meant to be connected to God in community. And here's a warning. If being part of a church family is not priority, you are putting yourself in a very vulnerable position. For as a church, there is an invite to trust God and his word as we work this together under his authority. In the scripture, we see Jesus, the perfect son of God, submit to the word, the written word of God. Jesus submits to the written word of God and its place of authority in his life. This gives Jesus all authority over all the works of darkness. But when darkness uses scripture, it is always for a singular aim. And this aim is to bring deception, to twist, to alter the direction of our lives from serving God to serving 
anything or anyone else. Now in the church today, especially I want to speak to those between 18 and 29 years of age. I see a few things when it comes to trusting the authority of God's word. In some areas in culture where we can identify where the enemy is at work is in our differences, our sexuality, and money. Interesting, these are also the areas where the church has struggled the deepest. It is where our trust is being shaken the greatest. Church, we need the wisdom, discernment, and guiding of the Holy Spirit. For we need him to help us to navigate this culture together. For God's word is truth. And the next statement I'm about to make is not diminishing this truth. But hear my heart. In culture, how we navigate bringing, speaking, and living this truth is critical. We must walk in boldness and humility. Speak and listen. Bring truth and grace. For we are walking with people. However, we've had so many opinions. Our pride and our sinful ways have stepped into spaces that God has not always asked us to. And it's become unstable, unclear, and has muddied the waters. Now, if the Bible is silent, keep silent. If it whispers, whispers. But where the Bible shouts, shout. Here is we've had a problem as a church. Because we have spoken where it was silent. Because we have shouted where the Bible has whispered in the church. In the church, we are now growing unsure of God's word, if it can, wisely speak and shape our secular and societal differences. If God's word can help and shape sex and sexuality. If God's word can inform and shape living within a tech revolution. If God's word can offer wisdom and shape managing our financial resources. So we can all see that we are in a transition. And as Pastor Jason says, Houston, we have a problem. But church, be encouraged. God wants to take us from where we are to where he desires us to be. However, in the state of the unsure, there are two directional invitations that are going to present themselves. Deeper or different. Deeper or different. By deeper means we have an invitation to a situational clarity, discernment, and wisdom as we are led by the Holy Spirit and an invitation to have a deeper sovereign perspective. And this is why, church, we need to know the word for ourselves. By different means that we have an invitation to turn, to trust something different, other than God as the ultimate authority for our lives. Now here are some stats that are really going to hit our hearts. One out of two resilient disciples, 50% of resilient disciples are growing unsure if they can trust God's word. Three out of four habitual churchgoers, this is 75% are growing unsure if they can trust God's word. 
eight out of 10 who once followed Jesus, 80% are growing unsure if they can trust the word of God. And these are difficult numbers to hear. We are not a resilient church. We're even going to lean into a tougher stat. Nine out of 10, 90% of those whose faith have now deconstructed are turning to politics and psychological theories to deal with our differences, are trusting lived experiences as the ultimate truth over our sexuality and identity, are settling for information and works as greater than transformation and grace, are turning to ownership, materialism, and consumption rather than stewardship, simplicity, and servanthood, and generosity. The present issue we are facing in our day is not due. It is not due to the presence of politics, psychological theories, lived experiences, information, or even stuff. It's the place and position they are occupying in our hearts. Now, you can't solve a problem you deny exists. Church, would you agree we have a problem? As we listen to this message, it's not to bring condemnation, but it's an act of love of God when it brings conviction so our hearts can be transformed. To be resilient disciples, we must trust but also submit to the word of God. These are tough facts to admit, but we need to because God doesn't want just a few of us to make it as resilient disciples. He wants all of us to make it as resilient disciples. And it is urgent because your generation matters. Generations are coming behind us, and we need to be resilient disciples to make dis resilient disciples. It is urgent. It is critical. For the truth is, in time, the idols of our lives and society always will lead to dead ends because they are dead things. These issues are big, but they're not new. The central question, even at the resurrection, was, why do you seek the living among the dead? Luke 24, 5. The breaking that is happening has a God-filled answer. If we allow our trust in God to go deeper, it will lead to greater blessing. God is so loving. He is revealing this to us now and has given us hope. God has and will continue to move deeper through surrendered trust than our attempt to keep control. Hmm. Now some... Not all of what we are experiencing personally and in society is the work of the enemy. Church, it's the pruning of God. It's the pruning of God. Now, some criticism of our culture toward ch the church is accurate, and it is painful. For when it comes to God's word, as Christians, we know it, we share it, we post it, we preach it, and we quote it, but we do not submit to it. That's got a sting, 
We do not submit to the word of God. The world is looking for the living. They are looking for Jesus. And we all need to take responsibility and ownership of becoming a disciple of Jesus that submits to his word. Now be encouraged. Let's take that pin of hope and move it into this moment. As we repent, as we surrender, God has made this possible. We need to focus on what God is doing internally in us so he can make a Jesus-sized difference through us to affect the world around us. He has given us his written word, his ultimate word, his authoritative word. And we must choose to directionally set our feet and heart to follow trusting God's word. Set trust in his word in its rightful place. All else must bow. And accept his invitation to go deeper. Now we hear these words, trust God. Two simple words, but they can be really hard to live out. God has not given us a direction that is impossible for us to follow. He has given us his very written word, the blueprint. His word holds all authority, all truth that we can obey and trust, speak, declare, and choose to believe and put our faith in. Even in the most difficult circumstances, it holds true in every aspect of our lives. He has not even stopped there. No, it gets better. He didn't even stop there. He gave us his written word and he infilled us with his very presence in the Holy Spirit, indwelling us. You have the gift of the written word and the gift of the very presence of God indwelling you. He has not left us as orphans. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. But trusting God's word is something that we cannot do in our own strength. We need the work of the Holy Spirit to help lead and guide us, even when it's difficult and even when it's countercultural. It can be done as we choose to respond to the invitation to go deeper. Now, the key word here is choose. We need to choose His invitation. It takes our feet moving and our heart and spirit responding. Trust in the Lord. With all your heart, lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. I love these scriptures when it comes to the word. In Hebrews 4.12, the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joint and of marrow, discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Colossians 3, 2, set your minds on things that are above, not on things on earth. Isaiah 40, the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Romans 12, do not do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. 
2 Corinthians 10, we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Matthew 24, 35. I want to take a moment here. In order to trust God's word, we have to trust the heart of God and his love for us. We cannot trust the word of God if we do not trust the love of God, the love of our Father and his heart. Church, he knows you. He cares for you. He sees you. He sees the issues you are facing and the situations that keep reoccurring, whether they're from your past or whether they're the lies you keep believing. He loves you. And he has a call and an invitation for each of us. Are we choosing his invitation? God is inviting you to come to his table, to linger at his table, to hear his words the most clear over your life. May his word define you. May his word refine you. And may his word revive you. You are his beloved. He loves you passionately. He has a plan and he has given you all that you need. All that you need because he has given you his very self. Second Peter's 1.3 says, his divine power has given us everything we need for godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. We know this in our head. But may God bring it right down into our spirit and stamp it into our very heart and lives that we can trust him because, church, God loves us. God fiercely loves us. And today I believe we all need a fresh revelation of God's love for us. Today I believe that some of us need to lay down positions that other things have taken in our lives. And some of you, it may be yourself, you need to lay down. For some, it may be that you have responded to a different invitation and you need to repent of that and say, God, I've responded to a different invitation for trust that's led me in a different course and I turn and I look to you and I repent of that. Today is a new day for you to trust God, his heart and his word. God's word will reveal what's in us and it can be so because it's like a sword that pierces. But God wants to go to these areas and these places and spaces because this is where God deepens our trust. These spaces are where God deepens our dependency, our intimacy with him so we are resilient. God has and will go to great lengths to draw you into a deeper intimacy with him. We can fully trust the word of God for it's trustworthy. His grace is greater. He works through our weaknesses. He is all sufficient. 
God's love is deeper still. He gives us hope in all circumstances, and he is sovereign, and he is good. And God always keeps his promises. They are eternal, not just temporal. Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, as it says in Hebrews 13, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. God never breaks his promise. So when he says, I will never leave you, I will never forsake you, he will never leave you, he will never forsake you, and he will keep it. God is with you, and he is in every situation with you, walking with you, and we need to lay hold of an eternal, sovereign perspective and be assured that he will redeem all things. May we love the word of God so we can surrender our lives to him and submit to and under the authority of his word. We do not get to make the terms and conditions he did. Today, we can repent. We can turn and receive mercy and forgiveness. Today, we can walk in victory. Even if your outside circumstance has not changed, you can be free because you're free here. There is victory, yes, for you today. We can walk in trust. We can walk in submission. We can live in and through the life and love expressed and provided through the word of God. Because, beloved, the word is God. Now, I want everyone to stand. And as we come to a close, if you would give me permission, I would love to have a moment of response together. We are being formed in this season. The question is, how? There is an invite for you to come. An invite for you to come to the table. To not just come and dine and dash, but to come and linger at his table. He did not give us takeout. Oh no. He prepared a table before you in the presence of your enemy, and he anoints your cup with oil. Your cup overflows. He prepares a table, the Father's table, for you to come. There is a seat for you with your name on it. Today, may you not take one more moment. Let the enemy rob you of one more second of standing away from that table. You come to that table. Because that table is your father's table. And he said, I'm calling you. You come to my table and you sit at my table and you linger with me and you listen to me and let my word wash over you. Let my my word heal you. Let my word restore you. Let my word bring clarity. Let my word break off. Break off the chains that have held you captive. But you come to my table and you wait and you linger because I have something to say and I love you. But you've got to trust my heart so you sit here and you let me speak to you because I love you I love you I love you church here your father loves you right now may those words go into your spirit and deny the lies of the enemy he loves you and we love him because he first loved us so as Carrie sings this next song it's a beautiful song about trust I want you just with the Lord to pause Say, Father, I surrender my life to you fresh today. Where have I given formation to the enemy 
to be active in my life. Show me, Holy Spirit, where do I need to surrender? Where have I given into cultural pressure rather than placing you and coming under your authority, your ultimate authority and word? And Father, show me where I'm turning to instead of turning towards you and coming to your table. Father, show me. So as a physical response, as Carrie sings this song, anytime through the song, I want you to picture walking up to the table. Ask those questions of the Holy Spirit. Let him just go there. Let him just go into your spirit. And when you're ready, I want you to come to your chair. And I want you to sit down. And I want you to sit in your seat as an active, physical response to say, I'm coming to the table. I'm sitting in my seat. And I'm pausing and I'm listening because I need you, Father. Speak to my heart. Yeah.